right, everybody. Welcome to the 295th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, show him live and direct. It's Yo, it's been a whole week since we last talked. It's been like... Uh, it's been almost two weeks, bro. Really? Yeah, we didn't record last Sunday. We did Friday, though. Yeah, but that was pre-recorded. Fuck, was it? Shit, well... The Ohio State duo was the last episode we recorded, and that was not it was about a week and a half, so not quite okay. two weeks. Week okay, because yeah, like we we've done basically two episodes forever. So skipping the Sunday one was just like the vacation that I guess is going to keep on coming until the Blazers actually start playing real basketball. But it, it has been a minute, and uh, or unless there's more information to discuss other than. Ain't the NBA shit. draft, but we don't really have a whole lot of information yeah. right now until May 17th, which is the NBA draft lottery. Uh, we did a mock draft in March. Our goal was to do at least one mock draft a month leading up to the NBA draft. Uh, this is April's version. We know the Blazers will not have two lottery picks heading into the draft lottery. This will be the last mock draft where Portland will be slated at the number six pick. Chances are it probably won't land there. It could be seven, eight. It could move into the top four. But from what I've read and from what I've understood about the, the draft lottery and how the, the process works, I think there's a greater than 50% chance that Portland actually will not stay at mm. six. So for all intents and purposes, this mock draft will be a little bit different than the one we did in March where we used uh, the tankathon simulator. This one will keep it status quo as it stands heading into uh, the draft lottery. And then obviously uh, once the lottery balls have made their way uh, down on the 17th, we will be using that order moving forward um sage before we get into this uh mock draft does portland only having one lottery pick change your draft strategy if you're the trailblazers or do you still go this is my best player available i'm taking him regardless of whether we have a backup pick to use i feel like if if one of three players are there for the portland trailblazers at six you just take them Shaden sharp aj griffin and benedict matherin so you, whoever is picking for the Blazers, if it was me and one of those three were there, that that is who I'd be taking. I my my stance on Shaden Sharp has lifted quite a bit, and now he is definitely in the uh, the three guards that I'd be willing to take at six. Yeah, uh, I would say that I've been a little bit more swayed to go towards the the home run. You get one shot at it. You're a small market, and I, this is the first lottery pick in nine years. I, I think you have to go not just incredibly high risk, but I think you do need to get a, a player with, with a high ceiling. This isn't a Blazers roster that is one to two pieces away. It's multiple pieces away. And you look around the league and how the landscape is changing. Minnesota has Anthony Edwards. Dallas has Luka Doncic. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies have John Morant. Those were all high lottery picks that panned out. And now their franchises are set for the foreseeable future. No disrespect to a player like Keegan Murray, who I think is a safe player and who is going to be a probably a 10 to 15 year vet in this league. I think you need a player that just has a little bit more juice that can get Portland to that, that next level. And now if Portland maybe had a, a contending roster 
And they were maybe like the Pelicans where you got your, your core, your foundation with Zion and CJ and Brandon Ingram. You even got your, your uh, key pieces on, on the outside of that core with a Trey Murphy and, and a Herb Jones. Then you can probably say, okay, we could use a guy like Keegan Murray. He can just fit in right away. We got our stars. We don't need another, you know, potential person that we have to feed. Keegan Murray is going to slot right in and be able to fit nicely with that organization. That's just an example. I think Portland, your, your, your foundation, you're starting almost from the ground up. I mean, you got some pieces, but the house is a long ways away from being built. And that's why I would shift towards, okay, we need to get somebody who could really elevate this franchise, give the the city, the fans some hope because Tell you what, say it's just been 30 years since uh, our Blazers have made the NBA finals and uh, I'm getting a little uh, antsy. And so I want to make sure we get that player that that could get us to the the promised land. Um, I'll let you kick it off. I'll give you the number one pick in this draft. Uh, If we're going by the current standings, uh, who do you have the Houston Rockets selecting, Sage? Because of my my board. Chet Holmgren's my number one. Um, then it would be Jabari. I, I feel like the Rockets have space on their uh, center because Christian Wood may or may not be a part of their long-term situation. Uh, no, Alperin Sangoon definitely is, but I feel like he can play with either. Um, I'm going with the more upside pick with Chet Holmgren. The, I mean, the potential of him if he hits his absolute ceiling, it's just such a high, high valued player. I mean, he, he, he could be like Evan, Evan Mobley plus active three point shooting. I think that he could solve a lot of the issues with their defense being down there, cleaning up all of their problems. I mean, you're still trying to make Jalen green, their, their focal point. And I think Jabari could do a good job, but I think Chet, just because of the defense, like that, that team is just going to give up points and bunches. So to have somebody that can erase some, some shots and then make some shots of his own, I think that Chet Holmgren would be the number one pick in this draft for the Houston Rockets because of the, just the, the absolute diamond that he is on this board. And if he hits his absolute ceiling is the game changer of game changers. And he doesn't, negatively affect Jalen Green. So that's where I would go with my first pick if I was the Houston Rockets. Yeah, they definitely need uh, some defense when you've got KPJ and Jalen Green uh, in the backcourt known as scoring first guards. And you're right, Christian Wood probably not in the long-term future, so they need to solidify that. And it so happens to be three of the four best players in this draft mm-hmm. are, are big. So I don't think they could go. I probably would not lean Paolo here because you want more of a defensive minded player when you've got uh, those guards, but uh, I have no qualms with Chet going number one. And I think uh, Jabari is more of a perimeter defender instead of like, you need somebody to erase some shots. Like the, the fact that Marcus Smart is defensive player of the year, like perimeter defense is great, but you need that big man inside that can, defend that rim. So that's why Chet was just uh, the, the added defensive intelligence and skill set is why. Uh, at number two, I have the Orlando magic taking Jabari Smith mm. from Auburn university. I've seen a lot of mock drafts having Jabari slip just a bit in Paolo rising. Uh, that doesn't surprise me given Duke's run to the final four 
and Jabari put up a stinker against uh, Miami three of 16, but I, I'm not too swayed about tournament performances. Uh, I remember being incredibly high on Tyrus Thomas from LSU and really low on LaMarcus Aldridge when those two played um, LSU just destroyed Texas. LaMarcus looked overmatched, overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and Tyrus's athleticism was just jumping off the, the screen. But one's a perennial all-star and the other was out of the league, you know, relatively quickly. And that's why it's important not to put too much stock in one game. Um, teammates make a whole lot of difference. Um, this pick I feel gives Orlando some form of a direction. They have so many guards and I wouldn't have a problem taking Ivy or sharp here because if you feel like they're the best player, grab them. But in this case, Javari Smith to me is my number one player on the board. Mm. I feel like you can now clear up the guard room a bit. I mean, they've got Fultz, they've got Suggs, they've got Gary Harris, uh, Cole Anthony, Mm. RJ Hampton. They need to trim at least two or three of those players and start to fill out this roster. They're almost in a Portland predicament, but they have a lot of young talent. Like they're just really guard heavy. You're probably going to get John Isaac back next season. Um, I don't know if he's a long-term fit. I mean, with the injury history, that's tough to predict. So at the at the worst, he's he's a bench piece. Um, they still just don't know what they really want to do up front. Uh, Wagner came in and was a surprise, uh, really fantastic rookie. I think if you do a redraft, he's right where he was taken in the the early mm-hmm. lottery. They they need a guy who can defend. Like all of those players I named outside of John Isaac they don't really defend at a high level. I think Jabari can defend um, on ball off ball. I think he can play alongside any of those bigs. I think he could play alongside Mo Bamba if they decide to bring him back um, or Wendell Carter jr. Uh, I just feel like he's really versatile and I understand people if they they're projecting Ben Caro here because he is a, I think right now maybe perceived as a better offensive player. He does. Um, but I don't think you need that if you're Orlando. You've already got a lot of ball creation. You've already got some spot-up shooting with, with Fogner. I think Jabari is going to end up being the best player from this draft. I like his position versatility more than Bancaro. I like his defensive more, and I like his jump shot more. And if we're projecting the NBA in the next five to ten years, jump shooting is not going away. I mean, size, I think, is going to start making a trend back, but – size and shooting will be there. And Jabari Smith, I think is the prototype of the, of today and future NBA. So that's where, where I have uh, the magic going. Yeah. I, I, does this spell the end for Mo Bamba? Cause I think Wendell deserves to have that, that center position locked up. So would it, would it be Cole, uh, Suggs, Franz, uh, Jabari, and then Wendell as the starting five? Yeah, that makes sense. You could even um, put John Isaac in any of those lineups as well. Uh, Bamba, I I probably feel like he is going to look to move on. Um, But again, if he wants to come back on a team-friendly deal to back up Wendell, who I I believe has had injury concerns, um, that that whole roster just needs some some stability. And and I feel like Jabari, to me, is the safest player in this draft. But I'm starting to lean towards him being – like. The shooting is obviously fantastic and great, but I think people are starting to underrate his defense. And he's shown such a good ability to cut off driving lanes and use his feet and use his hands really well on defense. Like, 
he's not just a shooter. He is a legitimate defender, a legitimate defensive prospect. Like, take away the shooting. He's still going to put in a lot of effort defensively. Look what he did with, you know, a pretty underwhelming guard tandem in, in Auburn. And he was like, he was solid as hell. And then paired with Walker Kessler, it's just, that was a really good defensive uh, front court for the uh, Tigers. So I, I, I think that he could solve a lot of problems. Him and Wendell as the front court would be a very good defensive pairing. So I, I, I am a fan of that. And yeah, I, I think that he definitely deserves his flowers for his defensive effort. He is a very, very intelligent, good defender. Who do you have the Detroit Pistons taking at number three? I'm going Paulo because, okay. well, I, I feel like Cade needs to be the primary initiator for the Detroit Pistons. I think Paulo is the, the guy that could be that secondary guy on, on offense with his passing and his dribbling and his playmaking. I think he might be the best playmaker in this draft. If you think of Ivy and the ball placement that he does on his passes, it's not there yet. I feel like Apollo could be that secondary guy. He can get the 20 points, get some assists, get some rebounds. Obviously, the defense is going to be an issue. The, the Detroit Pistons are a rebuilding team. I, I believe in Paulo's skill set. He, he has the potential to uh, really be a nightmare for a defense because if you put somebody tall on him he's just gonna speed boost by him and then if you put somebody small he can post up but i i, I think paulo as a perimeter initiator as a secondary per, uh, perimeter initiator would be just high tier greatness and then I'm, I'm sure detroit has other picks they can get some shooters to surround both of them but the the, the core of kate cunningham and paulo banchero is it's too it's too tempting for me to really uh, try and think sh- uh, Shaden or uh, Ivy, and uh, I, I think my top four is solidified with the, the four that we're probably about to mention, and then we can talk about Shaden Sharp at five or you know who, whoever it may be. But my top four is pretty solidified with the uh, the guys that everybody's everybody really knows. I think this is where the draft could get really spicy. Like if this is how it. If, if Detroit's out there at three and the, the two bigs who we believe are the two best uh, bigs in the draft, Holmgren and Smith are off the board, I think Detroit could go three different ways uh, in this draft. I, I, I have no uh, beef with, with Bancaro. I think the pick and roll with, with he and Cade Cunningham would be uh, at least a decade-long duo in, in the Motor City. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a pretty sure sure bet. There are two guards that I think Detroit could go after. You know, they still have Sadiq Bey. They still have Jeremy Grant for now. I'm not saying either of those players are at the caliber of Bancaro, but they could be looking to fill alongside Cade Cunningham's uh, running mate in the backcourt. Right now, obviously, it's it's not Hamadou Diallo. It's not uh, Killian Hayes. They, they need that, that other guard next to Cade. So I could see them. I could envision them going after Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp. I think Sharp, when all is said and done, he's going to be in the top four of this draft. I think some team is going to fall in love with him in the workouts. They're going to see the upside. They're going to see the size. Uh, we talk about size coming back. Can you imagine a backcourt size of Cade Cunningham and Shaden Sharp? I mean, that that's pretty ridiculous. And on the other hand, if you want to go Jaden Ivey, 
you're able to get away with playing a six, four guard because Kate Cunningham has a size at the one. So Detroit would just be, I think in a prime position to, to really steal any of those three players, but with who you went with um, no, no qualms with that either. Yeah. It, it's just that uh, it, it, it's just that when you're, when, when you get a guard, you have to carve out guard guard touches so if if I'm trying to make it so Cade is the most optimized, I go I go big here. I I get that I think I, that Sharp or uh or Ivy would be a good mix, but let I think having someone that skill set and size is different than your star player is a good move there. But I definitely could see like they're talented enough to be there. It's just who who who's there who they uh count on the most with Kate Cunningham. It's like, I'm trying to make the guy that I once said is a better prospect than Luka Doncic be the, be the, uh, the, the engine of the offense. So, I mean, you, you know what it is with size uh, and uh, Jeremy Grant may or may not be on the team long-term. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to lock it up with Paulo. All right. At number four, the Oklahoma city thunder are on the clock. I think this is, somewhat of a nightmare scenario for them. Yeah, it really I, is. I think they would probably be able to entice Detroit or Orlando um, to get up in that, that top three. They've got so many picks um, that I think they, they could move up to get one of those bigs. If they don't, if they're stuck at four, all of their, their bigs are off the board. Um, I'm taking Shaden Sharp here for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It is a franchise that already has two bigger guards in Josh Giddy and uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I go sharp over Ivy because of the ability to swing over to the three. Uh, he's known to be more of a, of a defender, and he doesn't need the ball in his hands as much as, as Jaden Ivy does. Uh, I think Oklahoma City is a franchise that has shown they want to go upside, upside, upside. They took uh, Pokashevsky, and he's starting to, to look strong. They've also been a franchise that has shown their willingness to commit to the full rebuild, and no matter how long it takes, um, trying to get the best uh, player uh, possible in five years, not, not next year. So it's a really intriguing uh, core for the Thunder. I think the question for them is what do they do with Lou Dort? Um, they probably have to figure out what to do with Lou Dort regardless because Giddy has shown in his rookie year that he is a, a long-term starter. I don't see them trading uh, SGA anytime soon. Um, and if they keep those two, Dort's probably too good to kind of stick to the bench and then you really need that, that size. So it's an interesting uh, franchise at the moment. They clearly need uh, help up front, but I think they they swing for the fences. They go for sharp, and their umpteen uh, remaining draft picks over the next two or three years, they could probably find a big or sign one in free agency. And I remember this team was below even the minimum salary apron, so they have got cap space for days. They can fill in their needs uh, in free agency, whereas other teams – have to kind of maybe look at the draft to do that. So I think they go uh, highest upside, which they have shown in the past, and, and go with with Shade and Sharp here. I think Sharp in this scenario is kind of supremely optimized. Like, I don't think of Shade and Sharp at this very moment as a alpha, give me the ball and let me work type of player. So 
having him be kind of a spot up attack closeouts, run off ball, do all of the stuff that makes Shaden Sharp special, I think is a good first place. Like I would hate for him to be on a team where it's like, you got to do, you got to, uh, stand still, beat your man off the dribble every time. I don't think that Shaden Sharp is there yet with his handle. I think he needs more help, like with some, like a, at least a pick to get going downhill. So him having two guys that are really like alpha ball handlers, I think he can show off the shooting and show off the, the, the God-given athleticism. So I think you're putting him in a pretty nice scenario here with uh, two legitimate ball handlers. And now you put me in a, kind of weird position uh, here with the Indiana Pacers because we, we have our point guard and we have a guy that's getting paid a lot of money in uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And I still believe in him. But when you got a guy like Jaden Ivey just sitting there all, all lonely and needing some love. I, from Purdue. From, from Purdue. Purdue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with him. I, I, Malcolm Brogdon is now on the trading block. I think Absolutely. that we can make it work with Tyrese Howell and Burton and Ivy. Both of them are pretty damn tall for guards. Like, I don't think we're ever undersized with Allie because I think he's like at least 6'5". So you got your guy that's going to just set up Jaden Ivy with all of this wonderful passing. We both admitted that he is not the primary playmaker on a team just yet. You know, he's shown flashes of it, but to have a guy like Halliburton setting him up, setting the table for... Ivy to use that athleticism to get into the paint. And then once he gets into the paint, he's got shooters out on the side to feed off of his interior penetration. I think that this might be a weird type of uh, rotation, but you know what? It works because of the, the, the skill set of Halliburton. I would be, this would be a very exciting team for the future, you get a homegrown talent and Ivy mixed with Halliburton, have Buddy Heald spotting up. You got Miles Turner still. You got uh, Chris, up too. Chris Duarte. This is, this is a good spacing team. And now you need to just find decent defenders in the later part of the draft. I mean, there, there there's guys that like Terry out of Arizona could be a great second round pick for him. Like this is this is a building block where two guards that are special penetrators and, and kickers of the basketball. So I think Carlisle would be very, very happy with Jaden Ivey as the two. I love the pick. Um, I love the fit next to Halliburton. Um, I think Buddy Heald is, is a placeholder for the interim, just like Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I think they've got their, their core with Duarte, Ivey, and Halliburton. Um, they still have Miles Turner. Uh, I, I just I feel like Indiana, really of all franchises, is in no position to pass on the best player available. Yeah, and the fact that he is from the state of Indiana—that's just a, a match made in heaven. Uh, you got a guy who loves getting downhill, pushing the tempo, drawing fouls, and then kicking it out to all your your your, your spacers. Like Miles mm-hmm. Turner actually fits incredibly well. Yeah, with, definitely with Ivy. So I I love that. I love that pick. Um, hundred percent would, would have done the, the same thing. And now the trailblazers are on the clock at number six and in a bit of a pickle, I, I, w- I would say clearly if you're Portland, you want to move up. Um, you want to get a guy like, I think Jabari Smith would be my dream. Um, and Shaden Sharp would be like number two and, and he has gone, uh, to the thunder. 
So it leaves a few options for Portland. I, I still would go with Benedict Mather yeah. in here. Um, I, I love his size at six, seven. You don't see two guards of, of that build. Um, just the ability to create his own shot. He showed a lot of playmaking growth over the course of the season, you know, really as um, Arizona finally allowed him to be the primary ball handler that they took the ball out of uh, Kerr Creases hands and said, no, Benedict, you need to run the show. He, a lot of nice lobs to Coloco off of the bounce. Um, got again, got great size, a knockdown shooter, he showed takeover ability. And I think that's something that you want when you're taking a lottery pick is like, this guy can get the ball and go and get a bucket. That performance against TCU was, was magical. Um, the, the dunk, the athleticism, however, the, the main concern, I mean, it's why he slipped a bit. It, it is. He needs to figure out, he needs to lock in on defense just as he does on the offensive end of the floor. But I still like the tools to be a really solid on-ball defender. Off-ball defense is always going to be challenging for a young player. There are so many schemes. There are so many tendencies you have to know. There's so many split-second decisions you have to make. I can leave this player. I can't leave this player. Uh, what do you do? Where are you switching? How are you communicating in transition? It takes time. I, I, I am a believer that he will get it done. I think any any system that drafts him knows that is a weakness, and they will work on it. And, you know, he showed growth from his freshman year to a sophomore year was uh, just phenomenal. So I, I believe in the growth. I believe in the progress. I think he'll figure it out. But for now you're getting at least an elite level offensive player. I feel like in that TCU game that you mentioned, Christian Coloco needs some damn respect on, on that game too. Cause I, <clears throat> he had some real big plays and then Terry also had some big plays like, they they shut down what what is like at least one NBA guard on that TCU team. Like I think that was a team effort between those the the, the draftable Arizona guys. I know Benedict's gonna get the I believe he got the player of the game, but I remember Christian Coloco making some huge defensive plays for TCU. Okay. It was just the best game I had seen Mather in play. Yeah. Oh man, it's tough. This Kings one's tough because in this this mock that I'm looking at to remember who's playing who, who what the draft order is, I think it's between AJ Griffin and Keegan Murray for the Kings right now. And I was really hoping that, that AJ Griffin would fall to New Orleans because I think that that is his best outcome. But I think the Kings are going to take him. Um, the major issue with AJ Griffin is that he is slow. Let let's be real. He he's kind of slow. It might be the the injuries, and once he fully recovers, he'll have that pop back. But like when I watched high school tape of him, he was a super duper aggressive defender. I think the the uh, the injuries might have limited his foot speed. But I only worry about his foot speed if he is on ball, like as the main creator, I think you can be kind of slow as the spot up. It works. So with De'Aaron Fox, he's going to be the alpha that like his role, like that's what he wants in his role is to be the alpha guy. And then you got Demonis as the second guy. So now at best that he is the third guy on the floor. And 
I think that he can do his thing with his spot up abilities. I think he's one of the best shooters in the draft. He's going to be able to, I think he's strong enough and at least fast enough to just guard his man. Obviously there's some weird stuff with his help defense. So once he's repped up, I think Shaden Sharp and he are the two most negatively affected by their decisions and COVID AJ missed a lot of time. And I think that that time could have been used for him to learn how to play off ball defense. So I think the Kings are going to take that risk, except that he's kind of slow and use that God given shooting ability, put him in places where he can just get open, get ready to shoot. And you've got your starting wing for, for 10 plus years with AJ Griffin. So are you having the Kings basically draft Harrison Barnes as replacement? Yeah, I, I I would think so. Well, does Harrison play the four or the three? I really haven't he watched. He can play both, both, but I would be surprised if he's on the roster next year. I think a lot of teams are going to inquire about him, and I don't know if he necessarily fits their, their, their new time. Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, so it's it's either Harrison's replacement or Terrence Davis's replacement. Their guard play outside of De'Aaron and Do, uh, uh, Mitchell, it's not really the best. So at least you've got a guy that – absolutely can score in the NBA level with his shooting. And if he gets to the paint, he's going to score. He has a wonderful touch. It's just like getting from attacking the closeout to the basket is going to be his issue. But I think that he, the Duke blue devils did not, they did not make it. So he can be that, that, that six overall pick. You kind of had to, he had to play the backseat role to all the other players. So now he's gonna he's gonna uh, be in that third man at best role, and I think he's gonna be very very good in that role. So, Adrian Griffin to the Kings. I really wish he was on the Pelicans. So, are you uh, coming down off of your AJ Griffin hype a bit? I mean, this is the most uh, critiquing of AJ's game that I, I've heard you say since we've been starting doing this since January. I mean, he's six. I tried my best to ignore the fact that he was slow. <laughs> I tried my best, but he's slow. He, he He's absolutely slow. I still think he's going to be a good, good player. It's just about like, what role do you put him in? Yeah. And if you put him in a role that he succeeds, could that succeed in? I think he's going to be a great player, but I, I, I don't see him being like the Jimmy Butler, give it to him at the, the, the top of the key and let him work. I think that he's more of a off ball scorer. And I, I mean, like, I, I still believe that he's a good player, but I don't think he's. I think the superstar, uh, it it needs he needs to be faster. So if the injuries, like, if the injuries just like negatively affected him for that year, which may be the case, then then I still think that he's good. But like that, the the speeds, it's a factor. But it, it's all about where you put him as your in the role. I think he can succeed as the 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 secondary or the, the 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 spot up. So the New Orleans Pelicans are on the clock at number eight. You mentioned you wished AJ was there. If I'm doing this mock draft, I I, I hoping I would hope if I was a Pelican fan that Benedict Matherin yes, is in there. The, yeah, I think those are are the fits for for New Orleans, and there are a couple of a couple of ways. Again, we talked about Detroit. Don't don't this, do it to me, bro. Don't do it to me. We talked about Detroit being spicy at three with with options. I think this 
has a lot of Cajun spice to it as well. There are a lot of players that the Pelicans could go here. Um, they could go Keegan Murray. Uh, I think oh. they could go Tari Eason or Jeremy Sohan. Like they, they are a franchise that really doesn't care about where mock drafts have players slated. They'll take mm. players who they want for their roster. And more times than not, they, they've hit. I can't get over the glaring weakness at the two guard. CJ is your primary point guard. I mean, they were playing CJ and Jose Alvarado last night together in the closeout. For major minutes, yeah. Yeah, you just can't do that. He, yeah. he too, too small. No, you need a big guard next to CJ. I really thought about putting Keegan Murray here. I, I don't think they would do that, though. I think they like what they have with Murphy. I think they like what they have with B.I. and Herb. They've got size. They need the guard. I don't love this pick. This is what I would project. I don't know if you're going to love this pick, but this is our first kind of curveball. Are you doing Dyson Daniels? No. Okay. Although it wouldn't wouldn't be bad. With the eighth pick, the New Orleans Pelicans select Ochai Abaji. Holy shit! From Kansas. Shit! I love it. You've got a six-five guard, gives you size next to CJ, a knockdown shooter. That's all you're going to ask him to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I talked about this earlier in the podcast. You don't need somebody to come in and be the alpha. You need someone who is going to eat the eat the leftovers. CJ, Zion, and BI, they're going to the table first, and then they're going to give you the, the, the second helpings. And there are going to be a lot of opportunities for shooters like Trey Murphy and Ochai Abaji. I think this would make the Pelicans a real threat to to do damage next year, not in two or three years. Like Ochai is ready to go right now. You're looking at a first team all rookie. If he lands in in this scenario, in my opinion, I love it. I love the spot. I love the spot. I thought you were going to do Johnny Davis, but you know what? Ochai is, is who I prefer. So that is a great pick, man. I unfortunately feel like Johnny is going to fall in this draft. Yeah, I, I there think are a couple so people who we have Keegan Murray falling right now. I think Keegan and Johnny are going to fall a bit. I think someone's going to take Ochai higher than maybe we have. And New Orleans is a, is a team like you don't get many playoff teams that have a high lottery pick. Mm-hmm. They, they, they are a team that can go safe. They don't need to swing for the fences. So I, I really like the fit for, for the Pelicans here. So does he start? So now it, it, Jackson Hayes is the, the, the spot starter, like, kind of like Nicholas Batum with the Blazers earlier. Does, do we just kill that noise and go uh cj ochai herb brandon and jonas you can you can flip those two if zion's not playing is that how you would uh do the positioning yeah i think brandon is uh the prototypical four in today's nba especially when you've got the the versatility of herb next to him cj's your primary ball handler ochai's your spacer um brandon's your second yeah i mean mean, that's what i would do the only missing piece would be, could you find a way to uh, pry away Miles Turner from, from Indiana and get that, that five that could spread the floor uh, for whether it's Zion or, or for Brandon, because the only issue I would have is there's not great three point spacing from Ingram and Herb Jones, but given their size, you can, you can, you can, you can live with it, especially with a backcourt that can shoot like that. Exactly. Bring in, bring in Murphy off of, off of the bench. Yeah. Like, I think the biggest issue with the Pelicans was that they did, they relied heavily on the fact that CJ and Brandon were elite tough uh, tough shot creators. And once once it gets to the playoffs, you can't really create 
something out of nothing every time and turn it into like magic. So to have Ochai spotting up, taking one player away, because like with their starting lineup, you Brandon doesn't want to shoot threes. Herb's all right. Jackson cannot. And then uh, uh, Jonas, he can shoot threes, but you don't want him to be the popper. So you're adding so much spacing to a team that made it to the playoffs. So I think that Ochai was a really, really good pick. Now let me look at who I have to draft for. Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs. You know what? I'm going with a kid from Memphis. I'm going Jalen Duran because I feel like their guards are great. I, like I don't want to mess with Vassell and Lonnie Walker and all of those wings. Dejounte too. Dejounte. Well, Dejounte number one. I don't want to mess with him. <laughs> well, there's not really a point guard that could mess with him, but still, yeah. like I don't want to mess with the the success and potential of Devin Vassell. You look at uh, Jakob, and he's good. But first year, Jalen is not going to start. So to go from Jock Landau and Zach Collins to Jalen Duran, that's a huge upgrade. Like now you can you can good feel fit good for about a, a raw prospect too. Pop knows how to mold talent. Absolutely. Like, could you think of a better spot thus far for Jalen? Probably not, just yeah. given the fact that San Antonio is a defensive-minded team. DeJounte is one of the best perimeter defenders. I mean, just thinking how they could defend the pick and roll is pretty They're nasty. blowing up plays with DeJounte and Duran. Like, and then he can learn from Jakob. Like, this I mean, is a his, really good spot for his, him. His prime comparison right now is Robert Williams, the Time Lord. Look at how Ime Udoka has really transformed that Celtics team Mm-hmm. starting Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, similar defensive uh, prowess as DeJounte Murray, exactly. Time Lord, and Jalen Duran. Like, the Spurs could really emulate what they're doing in Boston defensively. So it's it's something that San Antonio's got to be very happy. I mean, they've got a nice young core, and they get potentially one of the, the biggest upside players in the draft at and nine. And two picks. So they can get, like, EJ Liddell, and then, you know, if they want they one two of those more guards. Picks. What's up? They have two more picks. 20 yeah, exactly. And they can get EJ and then, like, who, who's out there? Uh, like, they can get EJ. They can bring back the entire Ohio State uh, front court and back court of draft eligible players and get Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell to fill out the lineup or something like that. So I, I, I like the, I like the, uh, the play, and I don't think that year one Jalen's going to affect. Jakob, and then they can make that decision point for Jakob if Jalen's just absolutely killing it, and they can get something for him. So I, I, I feel pretty good that San Antonio waited and was patient and got one of the most high-value high, high value players and highest upside players in this entire draft at, at whatever position group they were at, uh, at nine. At 10, the Washington Wizards are on the clock, and I really wish there was a top-tier point guard available because they are they don't know what bradley's doing man they don't know what bradley beal's doing they've spent the last three drafts taking combo forwards in Corey kispert uh denny avdia and rui hachimura Mm -hmm. they also traded for uh chris Stapps porzingis who is going to slide over to the five um i think you say the hell with your 
your last three picks. I mean, yeah, they could keep playing it if they want to, but I, you can't let those picks factor into taking the, the best prospect available for you. Like we talk about sunk costs all, all the time. If those guys turn out great, if not, they could be bench players, but the, the slide stops for, for Keegan Murray. I think he's a really nice fit alongside Porzingis on that front line, given he's going to give you more defense I think he could be a great pick and pop player. Uh, I think he slides right in and you can play him day one. Um, I, I just think it's probably one of the better fits for, for Keegan Murray. And, you know, you can never have too much size. And at, at the very least, it stops Washington from saying, oh, we have to sign Hachimura or we have to sign Abdia because we draft him. No, y- y- you fucked up and that's okay. Not a, You can't get every pick right. And I'm not saying those players are busts. Um, they could still show some potential, but don't don't do what the Blazers did and say, "Hey, we've got Jim Paxson and we've got you know Clyde Drexler. We're going to pass on this guy and go for what we need." And I'm not I'm not comparing Keegan Murray to Michael Jordan, but just the scenario is always the same. Always take the best player available, especially when you're the Washington Wizards and have been irrelevant since Wes Unseld was uh, rocking that Bullets jersey in in the late '70s. So. I think Keegan Murray, the slide stops there. I think it, it makes sense. Um, it was a really tough spot to draft because of it's just a, it's just a weird roster. Did you did you think about Johnny Davis at all, or was it Keegan stopping the slide? I thought about Davis, but I do think Bradley Beal will stay, and I, I feel like they're going to go for the two-way production of, of Keegan. I, I think I just, I liked the fit alongside Porzingis better than I liked the fit with Davis alongside Beal. I just think that we need to stop saying that Bradley Beal's a two guard. He's a one, like he, he drives that offense. So if I was in that spot, I guess I would take Keegan because of the slide, but then I would, th- I would have thought long and hard about Johnny Davis. And I have the New York Knicks, right? Yes. Well, I just mentioned him. They need guard play at the worst way. They need someone who can help out on. They need a bucket getter like that. That team struggles. I have I have never seen a team struggle so hard to get an easy bucket. And I've watched a lot of Portland Trailblazer basketball, but that some of those games are just painful to watch. Uh, I, I, I in this scenario, I think. RJ Dave, RJ uh, Barrett, not RJ Davis. RJ Barrett is their he is their playmaker. So I don't need to be forced into Ty Ty Washington since he is the number one guard. And I also I, don't. I think Ty 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 is going to slide as well. So I, I agree with not taking him here. I think I'm going Johnny Davis at the two. He can spot up. He can be the off ball guy for RJ to, to be the creative guy. I, you don't know who the three, four, five are. Like it, it, it's very, uh, it's hard to project. Like th- they could easily trade this pick too. So, but I'm going Johnny because he can be the spot up for RJ and his creation. And then you have like a guy that I, I the ability to create his own shot is what is making Johnny Davis drop in this mock draft, but you don't really have to worry about it if RJ is healthy. So he's going to play good defense and something that the New York Knicks absolutely need. I think that he's going to make it so Mitchell Robinson has less of less responsibilities compared to what happened this year. Like there was no guy to 
defend in the perimeter. So all of the pressure came into Mitchell Robinson and Nerland's Noel. So I think that our, uh, that Johnny can make it so that everybody's lives are easier and the slide for our Wisconsin guy has stopped at 11 with the New York Knicks. I mean, Alec Burks and Evan Fournier got a lot of open looks last year. Yeah. Johnny Davis is going to knock those down. At least at 40%. So we, we have some, we have some guys that are slipping that are good. I, I, I got to commend you for the uh, New Orleans pick. I'm very happy. I'm very satisfied and very happy with that pick. But this is a weird draft, so I, I might mess up and pick somebody that's already taken, so I apologize <laughs> and <laughs> already. The Oklahoma City Thunder are on the clock at number 12. This was a team that did not have a second lottery pick the last time we did a mock draft, but this pick is owed to them via the Paul George trade. The Clippers were knocked out by the Timberwolves and then by the Pelicans, making this a lottery pick. This could probably be in play if the scenario above happens where they're at four, the three bigs are off the board. They could probably entice maybe one of those teams with this 12th pick. But for now, uh, we will keep it uh, status quo. This is a really interesting pick for the, the Thunder. And you know what? I'm going to continue with my upside philosophy and they also need defense they they i think they go jeremy sohan oh here. i was going to i would have gone tari but i'm it not mad between at tari Eason yeah. and jeremy sohan but I, I have a feeling sam presti is going to be enamored with the the length and size of sohan his positional versatility um on defense is i think probably only rivaled by, by chet in this draft um Eason's, i think the better offensive prospect at this point I don't think you could go wrong, but it just seems to me the 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 length and wingspan kind of fits the MO of Sam Presti when you look at players who he's taken in the past, whether it's Giddy or Pokashevsky. Um, it just seems like he could fit right on right in off the bat. And again, we're talking about the Spurs being able to blow up pick and rolls. Jeremy Sohan's gonna be able to disrupt a lot of things um, wherever he gets drafted. And I, I think he would be a nice fit in OKC. So it was between Eason and Sohan. I know you're Eason one. I, I'm probably Sohan one, and, but they're, they're very similar. And very yeah, I, 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 when looking at that roster, it was, it was one of those two. And, I, and I'm fine with uh, you going uh, Jeremy right there. So I can take Eason with the 13th pick. <laughs> going Eason in Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Hornets played at the fastest pace in the NBA and were the worst defense from the majority of the year. You got to have somebody that can stop the Ant Edwards and the, 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 all of the, oh, I guess I got to talk Eastern Conference. You got to talk, you got to stop all of the Eastern Conference players. I'm going, I'm going Tari because of the defense and the fact that he can be an offensive uh, weapon. Like I think LaMelo would benefit greatly by Eason's ability to slash and dunk it with authority. I think that it would be a, uh, a good pick. And then just in case they lose miles bridges because somebody offers a contract too big and their uh, books are, you know, taken up by players that they need to sign. I, I, I think Eason would be a decent miles bridges replacement and a much better defender. So um it's it's time to bring some defense into Charlotte with uh with this team. So 
I, I I'm going Eason to stop all of the uh, the nonsense that happens when you play the Hornets. Like you you gotta like when you're doing projections, you have to boost every player that's going against the Hornets to such a high high out end outcome because of how bad defensively they are. So they need to stop that noise and and get a defensive player. It I, the only person really that I would have thought I would if Jalen was there, I would have taken him. But since I already had the Spurs taking him, Eason was kind of that guy. I mean, I don't think Dyson Daniels would have been the good, good, uh, good, good guy to have. So I, I think Eason is the last like lotto guy that I that definitely needed to be taken with the thirteenth pick in this lottery. The last pick in the mock draft, another team neither of us, I think, anticipated being here uh, was the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, a team that's kind of uh, breaking the mold, going big with their, you know, Jared Allen and Lowry Market and Evan Mobley. Um, they are a team that did trade for Karis LeVert. They have Darius Garland. So their roster is at least and Colin Sexton potentially too. Colin Sexton potentially. Um, I, I think they probably look to move him just because of what they're going to be owing him. And then you got to think about paying their, their other guys uh, shortly. You talk about defense. Uh, this is a player who I don't know if he goes here, but he's definitely a lottery pick to me. I, I have Dyson Daniels going to the Cavaliers. Uh, probably I think the best perimeter defender at the guard position uh, in the draft. I think he fits in with their size model going a six, six. So you basically have size at every starting position, uh, on the court, I, I don't think he projects as a starter right away. You can bring him in off the bench. He could be a, a pseudo ball handler. Um, I, I just, I, I really like the Cavaliers and their smart drafting, something we haven't said about that team, but they're smart drafting as of late. And I think Dyson Daniels is a really good player. They could bring along uh, slowly, uh, could even have him off the bench with, uh, you know, Jetty Osman. Um, so that's where I have the mock draft ending. Was there any player that you were thinking about besides Dyson Daniels? The only guy I could kind of think about was Malachi Branham. Yep, that was probably the other player right there. I think if he if if Abaji was there, I think Abaji oh, makes he, a, yeah, lot, in a, a lot of sense. Um, I don't think they go center. They don't go point guard with Darius. No, and there's just I, – I don't love the point guard crop. If, if I was picking in this draft, I, I wouldn't take a point guard in the top 20. Um, yeah, so I, I think yeah, Malachi If, if Obaji was there, he makes sense. But I, I like I, – I think Dyson makes makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, I, I think that that's what I would do. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought long and hard about Malachi because of the three-level scoring. But if you're if you're going all defense – then Dyson is the the way to go, but they kind of need to score. Like, and that's where I was banking on Karis Levert returning healthy. I like I like the pick. I like the pick. But if like somebody was, yeah, the only one that I can really think of is Malachi Branham. But so the biggest faller has to be Ty Ty Washington, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in our draft, I think Keegan Murray dropped significantly further mm. than, than most people have. Um, Shaden Sharp went, went higher, but yeah, I think that the biggest, you know, drop player has to be Ty Ty Washington from um, Kentucky. I think you're just looking at 
it's almost like the NFL draft last night that that took place with one quarterback taken in the first round. So many teams have quarterbacks now. And it's like that in the NBA. So many teams have great point guards. And when you factor in, okay, a lot of teams are stacked at the position, teams that maybe need that that position. There, I don't know if you're going to reach to get the best available when the best available probably wouldn't be the third or fourth best available in, in standard years. You know, you've got yeah, other yeah. point guard prospects coming along in the next yeah, couple of drafts. Mm-hmm. And Daniels, we've talked about Bennett Matherin. You've got bigger guards who can handle the ball. They're not a primary ball handler, but they but they can do that. And even Jaden Ivey could be a pseudo point guard. So they're just better options. And this draft is just so deep with wing players. And that's the that's the flavor of the month, right? The soup du jour. Mm-hmm. Um, teams need that. And this draft is loaded with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Sage, we have a couple of questions from Rip Village on Twitter before we wrap this one up. If this draft, if Keon Johnson and Greg Brown were draft eligible, uh, Greg Brown went in the second round last year, Keon Johnson went 21st. Would you have either prospect going in the first round this year? Greg Brown, absolutely not. I don't think Keon gets into the lottery, but he definitely would get into the first round. Like I like Keon more than Kendall Brown. So yeah. like I think Keon probably goes one 20? to two spots higher. I think he cracks the top 20. I think you're right. I, Denver I think, Nuggets uh, probably. Yeah. Because I think yeah. I think EJ Liddell is is better, but <clears throat> I d- I mean I think Keon is much better than Wendell Moore. And I think he's better than Marjon Bochamp. Yes, like, yeah. I think you're probably, when you're looking at Keon, I think maybe a similar level of prospect is maybe of Malachi Branham. No. I think Branham's better. Three one's levels offense, score. One's defense. Three level score is always going to get me. I mean, like, offense, offense is important. So I, I, I think Malachi's uh, far better. And so then I, I, I think we would agree, though. Similar placement around the 20s. Yeah, yeah, Greg Brown, I don't think sniffs the first round. I think he's uh, a mid-second round guy. There's just too many. I'm looking at Jalen Williams at 58 from Arkansas. There's no way that Greg Brown touches that. No. And again, it's really hard to evaluate what we've seen from Greg Brown because almost every minute he played in the second half of the season was, it was due garbage to, time. Yeah. there, there It wasn't. How many can you think of how many competitive games the Blazers had post all-star break? I can't count them on yeah. one hand. It just it didn't occur. So you know, there there is a difference between experience, <clears throat> they're good experience and bad experience because one feels like a, a pickup game at the local Y and the other feels like a competitive NBA basketball game. And I'm not diminishing anything that he or any other Blazers uh accomplished, but the stakes are you know, like De La Soul, the stakes are high mm-hmm. when it comes to regular season basketball that matters versus, you know, you've got OKC and Portland trying to out tank each other, you know, twice in, in seven days. Yeah. I would say I do think Greg Brown's athleticism was warranted. So I think he lived up to that hype. So I don't think you're getting a bump there because teams knew about that coming out of Texas. What could see him get, and I think he probably would go 10 or so spots higher in the second round. The three points shooting on the catch exactly. and shoot. What's that? Where did he go? Like 40? He went 43rd. 
43rd. I'm just looking at at a tankathon, and I know that their stuff is kind of outdated at the current moment, but I would take Dale Ontario over him. I, yeah. I think he'd go like where Travion's projected, like 47 or something like that. I think, also, I, think I have him higher. I think I have him a little. I think I have him higher. Do you think he's do you think he's on the same tier as Terry? I like Terry better, but if I'm looking at, you know, again, this is just Tankathon. Yeah. It's not the end all be all. I like him better than Trevor Keels at 35. Oh, God, I, like, yeah. I like him better than JD Davidson. Um, you know, there's just I I mean they have Dalen Terry at 30. So Dalen Terry is a, a really good prospect. Um, the the guard out of Arizona. Uh, yeah, I, I think he would go top 40. I think you'd probably have him between 35 and 40, in a, especially showing the catch and shoot from three. Like teams love a big that can that can space the floor. Yeah. Uh, clearly, he needs to, you know, figure it out. Um, he was a raw prospect, but the athleticism, the size, and the three point shooting, I, I think a team's going to they'll, they'll scoop him up in the, in the top 40. Cool. All right. Um, he also requests a breakdown of Zhang uh, on the books, as well as Nikola Jovic. Um, those are the two uh, big international prospects. Uh, we have a handful of Fridays up until the NBA draft. Uh, we will get those out the door soon. We also will be doing our second round steals um, episode uh, coming up shortly. So be on the lookout for those. Um, the third question, Sage, are you buying this Chauncey as a recruiter noise? No. I, I don't. I, I think <laughs> coaching doesn't play a big of a role in recruiting as, as fans might think. If that were the case, then Greg Popovich would get every free agent that, that he wanted. Uh, in my experience as an NBA fan, what drives free agency is, first and foremost, can you offer me the most money? Secondly, where are we playing? I want to play in the warm weather climate, like location, location, location. That means so much more than I think any fan can ever understand. Three, what's my role going to be? And then four, okay, maybe, maybe I'll start to think about the, the coach. But I think we're overselling Chauncey Bullops, I think, NBA impact. Like he was a finals MVP, like a great player. He's not better than Damian Lillard. And when you have Damian Lillard coming out and aggressively recruiting, I think a declining Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Remember yeah. when he and CJ like publicly was like, come to Portland. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to go to OKC or I'm going to go to Houston. Like if Damian can't get people to Portland, Chauncey Bullops sure as shit is not getting people to Portland. Now I, I do think there is smoke to the fire about Jeremy Grant wanting to come to Portland. And I, I mean, you see it in the, in the photos from Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic. He played with Damian Lillard. I think in that case, Damian is working as a recruiter. I, I it, it could be any coach, really. Like I just I don't think players are going to try to sign or trade for players based upon the coaching staff. It just it doesn't work. I think and our team, coaching staff sucks. The, the team sucks. just is out. I think the, the who you have around them just out trumps them. Like I, I I feel like the reason Jeremy Grant's interested in Portland is because of Damian Lillard not yeah. who's calling the place. I mean, 
I feel like I made my my uh, opinion pretty clear about Chauncey as a coach when we were competing. It wasn't very good. And then you look at the staff. Like I, I have nothing bad to say about Roy, but I have plenty of things to say bad about Scotty Brooks. He was fucking awful in Washington. Like our staff isn't good. <laughs> so Scotty I think Brooks coaching win with three MVPs, dude. Yeah. And then you watch the fucking Wizards rotations. Like, that's where I was like, God damn, he's the worst. He's the worst possible head coach. And then we sign him for for his experience. And I get it. Like, he looks like a nice guy, but fuck, I don't want. Like, if, I, if I'm an NBA free agent and I look at the Blazers coaching staff, sure, I might like Chauncey Billups, but, like, you look at Scotty Brooks and it's just like, nah, man, like, if – if we're, if we're talking about coaching staffs, let me go to the San Antonio Spurs or the Milwaukee Bucks. Blazers are very low on that if it was if there was a tiers list. And last question, what are the playoffs telling you about roster construction in 2022? I mean, yo, the, the one that I've looked at the most is the New Orleans Pelicans, man. Utilize those picks that you have. The Blazers have two second-round picks. Jose Alvarado played major minutes off the bench for the New Orleans Pelicans. We have two second round picks. We can't, we have to take good basketball players in the second round. Look what Herb Jones did. Look what Jose Alvarado did. You have to utilize every pick. It can't be just one of those, like, we'll see what happens type of players. I think that if like, we've talked about him a bunch, if Terry's there at, at uh, the, the pick, you take him because I have a comp that I will wait for, ne- for for when we do the second round steals. I think that he's worthy of that pick. And, you know, at, at whatever pick uh, the later one is, take a good player. I'm, I'm tired of seeing teams treat these second round picks like they're nothing. And it, it, it's hard for them to stick. But once they do stick, you see the value in it. So I think that utilize and treat every pick the thought process that you're using for six is what I would do. Absolutely. I'll add on that. What the playoffs are showing me is roster construction and balance matters. Look at the teams that are advancing there. There are very few holes. They have size that they don't have a player that you can go out and target on 48 minutes of competent basketball, man. I mean, it's it's kind of ironic that Dame probably wants that that second lottery pick and then wanted us to trade it for for a vet. Yet he was tweeting out Memphis drafted their ass off. Yes, that's what happens when you draft well. You're able to build these these homegrown teams on, on team friendly deals, and they're able to really mesh well with one another. So the, the drafting ability of teams has really uh, jumped jumped out at me. You look at Memphis. Uh, you look at Golden State where they had a couple of down years, but they still were able to take Jordan Poole late in that first round. So again, don't throw away your first round picks. Uh, they have Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, they have Moses Moody, who's not even playing. They've got a uh, Bielinsa who's not even playing. Like I know Bielinsa wasn't a draft pick, but you're looking at the depth of their roster. Lastly, you have to commit to getting defenders that can shut down the perimeter. I mean, I haven't seen Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that frustrated ever. And the, the Boston Celtics with Marcus Smart, I mean, 
that that team was everyone was saying they have to break it up. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they can't play with one another. Well, Brad Stevens has self awareness. He's like, my voice is getting lost. I'm going to go find somebody who those guys like. And they they mentioned Ime Udoka with that USA Basketball experience. Brad Stevens went out, added Derek White. Again, we're talking about 48 minutes of competent basketball. He is not going to fuck up. They unleashed Time Lord. They found players who are familiar with their system kind of cast offs at other stops along their career in Al Horford and Daniel Tice. And now they're probably looking like the favorites to reach the NBA finals. You go to Phoenix. I mean, you just look at a complete roster. Uh, the coaching staff is phenomenal. Um, the player that stands out to me, there's two players and it, it's, it's draft draft picks. They traded Zaire Williams for Mikhail Bridges. They gave up a first round pick. I believe it was a Miami Heat unpredicted pick. But they're like, we want Mikhail Bridges. I would have no beef if somebody said Mikhail Bridges is the defensive player of the year. I mean, he's just able to go out there and, and lock down that, that perimeter. He can hit the open shot. And then you bring another guy who people thought was probably tapped out potential-wise in Cameron Johnson. And he is coming off the bench, and you're able to just continue to play 48 minutes of competitive, consistent, competent basketball. The three C's, you have to have it. You cannot have lapses over the course of a game. The teams that are advancing, they don't do that. They don't beat themselves. They don't have dry spells. They don't have lapses on the defensive end of the floor. They, they're connected. And like they, they took a chance on cam and uh, on campaign and he succeeded. So like, you know, utilize the free agency pool and find players on low cost contracts to help help build out that roster. That is something that the Blazers in the last decade have not done very well. So, you know, I, I think the 48 minutes of consistent, constant basketball is the, the, the key for the Portland Trail Blazers. And I think our starters are fine, but our bench is disgustingly bad at the current moment. And even if you want to talk about Dame, Damon Ant, there's huge concerns that they can play defense um, together. The, all these teams play, play defense. Like you have to be able to lock in on the defensive end of the floor. And if you're already starting out with your backcourt. Mm, As a deficit. It, yeah. Yeah. You're, 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 you know, you're trying to carry water uphill instead of just walking in a straight line. I mean, like the fact that, CJ and Jose work is because Jose fucking doesn't care about his body and plays defense that hard. I don't see Anthony doing that or Dame doing that. So you need to have properly sized players to help defend. And I just, it's going to be a tough road. And even, even CJ bless his heart. He was on an Island with Chris Paul to close out that game. He, he couldn't handle that Island. Not many players can, but that's why you need you can have you can get away with one maybe neutral or minus defender. Yeah, you put them on the shooter. You yeah, put them in on. your final five. You can't be having multiple question marks on, on defense. You yep. have to have guys who can play two-way basketball. Yeah. I mean, maybe for the first round we're fine, but in the semifinals against the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors, we're gonna get exposed. Like also next year, how are you going to defend the the Denver Nuggets? Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, the Golden State Warriors getting better. Like you have to be able to defend everybody. 
the great teams have playmakers and scorers and multiple multiple yes this isn't the 90s where it's like oh we got two guys we have to worry about the rest are just you know garbage men everybody can do damage if you don't pay attention yeah like how many playoff players does the blazers currently have on their roster that's a that's a question right how would you i steven adams does not play in the playoffs by the way steven adams does not you're absolutely right I mean, if we're going off of last year as well, like I'd say Portland is two. And it's Damon Josh, Josh Hart, Hart and Damian Lillard. Ant, Ant did not show me enough last year. I know he's a different player, but he did not show me enough last year. And if we're going off of last year, Yusuf Nurkic did not show me enough. He got obliterated by, by Jokic. And what, all right, let's – most teams don't play – like he's not going to play much against Golden State. Right. Yeah. I don't know how you play Nurkic against Golden State. Yeah. Like if we play Minnesota, that's fine. I guess he's gonna get exposed by Cap, but like so it, it's tough. I, I, I agree that Josh and Dame are the two players that are going to play in the playoffs. So it, it's a long road. So hopefully Benedict Matherin is great. But uh thank you so much for listening to this this mock draft plus blazers talk we will be back next friday to either talk uh the european foreign players or our second round steals so thank you so much for listening and we're out of here